I recently had the pleasure of connecting with Bill Conroy, author of the book Dispatches from the House of Death. This book covers the Juarez House of Death, which is an episode that we covered back in the early part of season two. Today, we're bringing you an encore presentation of that episode, and if you would like to dive a little bit deeper into the dark tales of this home, please check out Bill Conroy's book. It's linked in our notes section and is available for purchase now on Amazon.com. Enjoy the show. We will be taking a short trip down the conspiracy rabbit hole for today's episode. We have all heard of the cartel, certainly heard of Narcos, thanks to Netflix. We've maybe even heard of Juarez, as it has been the focus of many investigations over the years. But have you ever heard of the Juarez House of Death? I'm Christina. And I'm Kristen. And today on the Real Crime Podcast, we will be delving into the mysteries surrounding the home where 12 bodies would be found in the garden and how it may be so much bigger than just another drug-related crime house. I grew up a dare kid, and I'm sure many of you did too. Did you? Oh, I sure did. Absolutely. I remember what I wore to my dare graduation. Woo! Oh my god! <laughs> when they had everybody sitting in their dare shirts mm-hmm. and the big. Oh my god! And then you signed everyone's dare shirts. Exactly in the giant auditorium. So good, so good. So that's not what this is about, but it just reminded <laughs> me of it because of the war on drugs and always hearing that phrase, the war on drugs, like when we were growing up and stuff. So yeah. no, then it became a real war, right? Yeah. Sort of. Like I said, it always kind of has been. But, I mean, as long as I can remember the narrative that drugs are bad has pretty much been on my radar. I don't know if that's been the case for you, too. But Except it, for college years. Well, and that's that's where it gets really complicated for me. So it's so complicated to me when discussing drugs with my child because I'm trying to avoid the all drugs are evil talk and explain that it's far more complicated than that. But she's five, so I'm kind of like, do I just, like, kind of piecemeal it and that sort of thing because she said like she's heard the word drugs used on tv and she's like what are drugs and it's like well they're i don't know they're They're terrible they're bad awful awful, evil (laughs) things that are gonna kill you just thinking about them is gonna kill you stop thinking about them so then i won't have to but (laughs) you know for example there are highly addictive and deadly drugs they're evil they ruin lives but on the opposite end of that who doesn't love a good cocktail or an edible from time to time i mean i definitely do so uh, i mean and i i can't tell her drugs are evil and then like pop a a gummy before (laughs) i go to bed you know i just can't do that like in in my mind but anyway she'll figure it out she will she will she'll get there we'll walk her through it as she gets older so now the idea of drug cartels or narcos 
it's basically like this illegal drug running mafia involvement tons of murders bloodshed all in the name of drug sales and i think we can all agree that that's pure evil so what does that have to do with this house well back in 2004 a man named luis padillo went missing now it turns out there had been a case of mistaken identity and he had been kidnapped driven over the border from texas to juarez had been stripped tortured, and then killed by the drug cartel. Then his body had been dumped into a mass grave outside of what would become known as the Juarez House of Death. Years later, it would be discovered that he, along with at least 11 others, were tortured and killed in that house, then buried in the garden in the backyard. Imagine moving in. Oh my God. So I'm going to grow some tomatoes today. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. Definitely not. I don't think human remains are a good fertilizer. Mm, can't imagine that they are. It's, I mean, so did you look at pictures and stuff of this house or no? Okay. That's all right. I did. And it's, it, it's definitely in a town area. So that's the other thing. Like, there are other buildings. It's not like it's out in the middle of nowhere. So this was just happening, but the cartel had such control over people that they were just like, oh, no, they're definitely killing someone, torturing them, and burying their body, but I'm not going to do anything about it because there's really nothing that I can do about it. I mean, that's still going on. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to look the other way sort of thing. Now... Of course, for Luis, the tragedy is an even greater one, as he wasn't even the person that they intended to kill that day. He left behind his loving wife and his three children in El Paso, which is just over the Rio Grande River. Now, you would think that the U.S. media would have picked up at least something on this. I mean, let's face it, they feast on tragedy. They absolutely love it, the U.S. media, that is. For some reason, though, there just wasn't a peep about this, about an American citizen being misidentified, picked up, and kidnapped by the drug cartel and taken to Juarez. I would assume it was kept a little quiet. Oh. The government, I'm sure, had something to do. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And that's kind of where the conspiracy aspect comes in. So perhaps it was just another case of people of color, you know, being ignored by media outlets or maybe... It was because at the very center of it all was someone on the payroll for the U.S. government. Now, I'm going to go with that one. Right. Yeah, me too. Me too, for sure, because that's why we're here. So (laughs) in order to gain insight and tactics against the war on drugs and the cartel, the U.S. government employed a man named uh, Lalo. Mm -hmm. So that's that's how I pronounced it, Lalo. Guillermo. Wow. Guillermo. Wow. And I like choked on the word. Oh, my God. Of course, it's Guillermo. Please. I watch what we do in the shadows. Guillermo. (laughs) (laughs) So, Guillermo Ramirez Pedro. Each of the 12 deaths performed at the Juarez House of Death was known to members of the United States government before, before they occurred. And yet the United States government did absolutely nothing to stop or intervene. In fact... Lalo made upwards of $220,000 as an informant and yet was literally 
killing these people. He was one of the killers. A hired hitman by the U.S. government. Right, pretty much. I mean, he was hired both by the cartel and like on their payroll, but he was also on the United States government's payroll. He made a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. So he was basically that the United States government was paying a killer. Now, Pedro or Lalo, as he was known, was a former Mexican highway patrolman. He infiltrated the drug cartel, and then he began working as an informant for ICE, which is a branch of Homeland... ICE. ICE, exactly, which is a branch of Homeland Security. So it's immigration, basically. There is actually pending litigation in regards to high-level members of the U.S. government brought by family members of those killed in the House of Death. He was working with um, this... Lalo character was working with a man known as Heriberto Santian Taberes. Sure. Okay. I'm I did I did it. the best that I did. <laughs> I did the best that I could, okay? And Lalo would murder according to the these two gentlemen basically would murder according to the plans of the cartel. So the cartel would be like this is who you're picking up. You're taking them to this location. They don't even need to know what they did. They're hired hitman. They don't care. They're getting their paycheck. They're going to torture. They're going to kill. If there's specific information they want to get out of them, they're going to try to and then get that information back to the cartel. But in this case, Lala was basically like, oh, okay. So, hey, United States government, we just got orders to kill this guy. And so we're, we're going to go do it. And the government's like, cool. Okay. Report back when you're done. Let us know how it goes. Exactly. And it's just kind of like, how? How is that happening? So Centillion had been prosecuted by the U.S. government on trafficking charges. But within a plea agreement, he too chose to become an informant. So the first... So to recap, the two killers are now... The two hired hitmen for the drug cartel are working... For the U.S. government. Right. The first killing took place in 2003, and the first victim would be a Mexican lawyer, Fernando Reyes. Santillon and uh, Lalo were the killers. Lalo bringing the lime, which would help dissolve the body. So he, like, this was all premeditated. Like, Like, he knew what he was going into. Definitely covering it up. Absolutely. Lalo actually used equipment given to him by ICE in order to secretly record the murder. So not only did they know prior to that the murder was going to take place, they had recorded details that the murder had taken place. So that that to me is just like, how can you just let that go on? Like, right. I understand that you have to infiltrate, you have to let things happen to a certain extent, but like really 12 people had to die that was necessary Seems I mean, kind of crazy. did anything come of this? Do well, we know? The, the the drug cartel is still functioning. Right. So clearly. So, like, did anyone go to jail over this? Or was this just, we just recorded some murders for fun? Not yet. Pretty much. Exactly. So when local agencies got information about this, they, they, they basically, they were, when they found out that this guy had been a killer, so the local agencies working for ICE, when they found out, they're like, hey, so we're probably going to have to cut this guy loose, right? Because he, he just killed somebody and like... And we recorded it. Right. And we recorded it and we don't work with murderers or what have you. And the Department of Justice was like, no, just let them, let them do their thing. Let them keep going. So that's the difference between government 
and local police officers. So crazy. (laughs) So Lalo shared that there would soon be another killing. His cartel boss, using the gruesome code word carne asada. So, like, I guess that was, like, the tip off of you're going to, like, what, turn this guy into carne asada? Like, yeah. I'm a vegetarian. (laughs) In the six months between the first killing and the final code word, that that final code word, rather, was used many, many times. And still, no one from the United States government ever tried to stop the murders. And they were getting extreme details on this. Like, they, they were getting recordings of this. Then the murder house kind of came to the attention of the Mexican government they immediately went there and uncovered the bodies. Oh, okay. So the Mexican government The did Mexican something. government intervened, and they're like, oh, 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 we got to do something. We got to stop this. Because the United States isn't doing anything. Right, right. So so get this. The two informants, right? So Santillan has been indicted on first-degree murder charges, and Lalo is currently in a U.S. jail awaiting extradition to Mexico. No, good luck with that. I mean, yeah. He, in his eyes, that's basically a death sentence. Mm-hmm. So they're <laughs> kind of keeping him here in the U.S. to protect him, essentially. But he killed people. But he killed... Like, hmm, don't even get me started. So... I tried really hard to figure out what had happened to this house in Boraz, but by the looks of it, it's still just standing there. I wonder if anyone lives in it. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it's still like a cartel house to a certain extreme, you know, and and they they keep people there or what have you. It's probably a cartel safe house. Yeah, exactly. It's probably used for like trafficking or awful, awful things like that. And the families of the victims have brought a case against the Department of Justice and ICE for not stopping the deaths when they had a chance. Good. But I couldn't find a resolution in that Yeah, that's not going to... Nothing's going to come of that. They're probably going to give them some money. Exactly. And kind of hush it up. Yeah. You know. But, I, I mean, literally, this final death, Luis, you know, the idea that he had absolutely, he was just living his life, you know, in El Paso, Texas, living his life, nothing to do with it. And they scooped him up and they killed him and he left behind a wife and three children. And that's it. They they just have to keep living their lives and there's nothing that can be done about it. That's crazy to me. That's crazy crazy to me. And it's, they get some money at least. I don't know. I hope that, I hope some sort of justice comes from it. You know, there won't be, no, I know there won't be, but like I, I could be hopeful, right? I guess. Okay. Thanks. Appreciate it. The U.S. You. government, though. So. I know. Nothing's going to happen. Sucks. So that is the Juarez House of Death. And I am certainly hoping that there will be some updates along the lines on this. There probably won't be. But I will definitely keep you guys abreast and informed of all of that. So. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to keep my mouth shut on that one. Why? Oh, because I said abreast? Well, that is a funny word. It is a funny word. Kristen and I have the maturity of, like, 11-year-old boys <laughs> when we're together, so we can't help ourselves. Anyway, so that is the end of today's episode, and we'll be back next week with another one. We're going to, where are we going, Australia? New Zealand? Something Australia. like that. Australia. I think we're going to Australia. Yeah, Australia. Okay, Melbourne. Cool. Melbourne. That's right. That's right. All right. Awesome. So we're keeping it global. Keeping it global. I know it's kind of fun, right? Checking out what's going on in the world. Nothing and good. <laughs> no, at all. At all. Oh, and yeah, we're like going to war with Russia or something. So that should be fun too in like actual current news. Good times. So yeah, make sure that you are uh, following us on Instagram. And did we record that whole thing?
Were you recording? Yeah, just now, but that, that okay. weird, I'll edit that part out. <laughs> that was fun. So make sure that you are uh, following us on Instagram at The Real Crime Podcast. Make sure that you are checking out our Facebook page. It is The Real Crime Podcast page. And check out our Patreon, too. Uh, I started a Twitter account, but I don't understand Twitter. <laughs> And I did the drop it challenge for TikTok the other day, but I don't understand the TikTok. So I'm an old woman. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I have Facebook and Instagram. Right. Me too. Me too. Pretty much stops there. <laughs> so that's what we've got. And uh, keep in mind, coming up on April, the weekend of April 6th. 8th. 8th to the 10th. Why do I keep saying the 6th? I'm obsessed with it that's being the 6th. That's not the weekend, so... Okay. I'm pretty sure that's a Wednesday. <laughs> the weekend of April 8th, uh, we are going to be in Atlantic City, New Jersey at the um, Horror Fest New Jersey Horror Con. So, so excited. I know. And uh, for those of you who saw us at CT Horror Fest last year, it's actually going to be two days now. It's a Friday and a Saturday. And they have started opening up booths and tables and announcing their guests. So... Uh, go ahead and check out their Patreon, too. That's not until the fall, though. That's not until September. Yeah, so we've got some time for that. Uh, And we will have some merch with us, so uh, bring your piggy banks and smash (laughs) them open in front of us. Okay? Awesome. Cool. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.